We are back, Baggies fans. Welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast, sponsored by Adoption at Heart. My name is Johnny Dreary, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful colleague and West Brom correspondent, Joe Massey, to chew the fat over the latest goings-on down the Birmingham Road. And my God, have we got some chewing to do today. Um, we've got loads to cover, but just to start off, how are you, Joe? How are you, mate? I know you. Um, I know just from what you said off air, you were planning... A nice sort of late night meal after the game last night, but it was sort of put paid to. I was, I was, I was planning the late night McDonald's with Joe Chapman, but it didn't happen unfortunately. But mate, I'm fine. I genuinely, I'm genuinely concerned about you. I've got to be honest. <laughs> um, I'm genuinely concerned. I mean, obviously, listeners won't notice, but Johnny has absolutely since he started, he has been absolutely full of enthusiasm. You've been a bag of energy. You've been so like. I don't know, you've been brilliant, mate, and you've loved it, haven't you? You've been, like, just buzzing to do the job. And then yeah. last night at all, <laughs> you just slumped back in your seat at what you were watching um, and just looked at me and was like, I've had enough, mate, I've had enough. I've had enough of this team. <laughs> not the mate. job, just not watching. The job, not the job, just, just what I was watching in the first half. And I, my dad went to the game last night. He rung me before. He's like, what did you think? So I just let rip even though it was all right in the second half. And he was like, my dad's usually the most negative football fan in the world, but somehow he was positive and I was negative and I was just like, what's going on? I'm like the glass half full Albion fan, but I was, yeah. wasn't impressed in that first half. It was better in the second half, wasn't it? It was well, um, marginally better, but yeah, but I, I spent felt it, for you last night, mate. I, I really spent the whole did. of the second half trying to fix a camera, so I didn't really catch much of the action, to be honest. So that's probably why I'm in a... In a bit of a low mood this morning, but um, but yeah, thanks for your concern, mate. I'm sure well, it'll I'm get concerned. better. I've had time to sleep on it. I feel a little bit better this morning, but you say that, but yeah, the messages you sent me this morning have still been pr- pretty angry and of yeah. a sort of a dark nature. So cannot be repeated on this podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that you're remaining professional for the podcast, and I will say not just about Albion, actually. Well, related to Albion, but other stuff as well. But um, but just before we go into the main body of the of the pod. Um, I just wanted to mention this. We've had a few questions. I know we had one this morning. You know, we know the Baggies broadcast is so popular and people that just want an episode all the time. People saying about a lack of podcasts last week. Why wasn't there a podcast? Can we have a set day? Basically, when there's a Saturday game, there's no midweek games. It's always on a Tuesday. But when there's a midweek game, it does make it a little bit more tricky with sort of work schedules and whether we can squeeze one in. And, and Joe will know we tried to, squeeze, tried to squeeze one in last week, but we thought... It's probably better to do a video. It'd be more appropriate just because of the way things are going on. And like Joe tweeted before and people have seen, just blame it on Sky with all the changing of the games. If yeah, all the games are on... It's all Sky's fault, mate. It's all Sky's fault, mate, which we're going to chat about briefly later on. I know Joe did a really good piece last week, um, but fans made some good comments about it. But there you go. That's basically what it is. I know you're all uh, desperate to hear mine and Joe's voices um, <laughs> and hear our expert opinions on oh, West yeah. Bromwich Albion. Proper experts, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe's sort of insight on formations and all that sort of stuff. XG as well. Oh, don't uh, bring it up. <laughs> XG's been put in the drawer for now since yeah. Val gone. But, um, but yeah, so <laughs> Tuesday is the usual day, but midweeks throw everything up in the air. Just as well, before we start, I just wanted to ask Joe, how's your... Uh, How's your tussle with Andy Johnson and now Luke Hatfield going as well? As some oh, fans might have seen Luke on social Hatfield. media. As soon as you walked through the door last night, I thought it was—I thought it was, it was getting a bit heated at that one end of the press room. I, you know, it's—it's it's getting pretty serious, isn't it? 
Luke Hatfield was always going to wade in on that, wasn't he? Get his grubby <laughs> little mitts on their podcast. I bet he couldn't wait to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to smash him out of the park, mate. I've got no doubt about it. Yeah, I did. What I will say is, I did have a listen to theirs on the way to the game yesterday. Rubbish, wasn't it? It was all right. I'm going to be. About it. <laughs> I'm only joking. I haven't listened. I haven't. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Um, Andy Johnson's terrible at quizzes, by the way. If you're listening, <laughs> is he? Oh, he's awful. Well, he reckons he let Bob Taylor win, but I don't know. You would say that, wouldn't he? But um, I will. But yeah, listen. It all started. Something that said on social media a couple of weeks ago. Me and and Jesmal Holland, who's the sort of commentator, media, other media guy at Albion, have said like, we're stepping away. This is not our fight. This is this is yours and AJ's and Andy Johnson's fight. This is Joe. But I'm in your corner, mate. So Thanks, we'll. Uh, I, I'm confident. I'm confident. I think we'll I'm happy to take him on. Yeah, I would say come on. Just another one, bit of housekeeping. Um, where I live, I'm renovating the house next door, and there might be a plumber today, and you might hear loads of drilling later on. Um, oh, so if there is, I do apologise for any noise pollution in the background, um, but hopefully there won't be. But so, yeah, action packed. We've got loads to talk about. We'll start with last night's game. Um, as Joe said, I was slumped in my chair. And- didn't really see a lot of the second half, um, but we'll just go through some some talking points. You know, talking to fans after I talk to I love talking to fans, but when the results aren't going well, it's not great, and it has been a bit of a slog in the last sort of eight six to eight weeks. Um, well, since, since it started really, when it comes to Albion. Yeah. Um, but last night there was a bit more positivity about Albion fans last night, and they could see improvements. And I think there has been improvements under Bruce, isn't there, Joe? What, what, what do you think about the sort of situation? There has been, even though it's not maybe massive improvements, there has been a little bit of a change. Yeah, I think everyone can get on board with Steve Bruce's style of play more. I think it, it, it's the bottom line. It's, it's not, it's not as rigid. Um, well, I, mean, I don't know if anyone can be as rigid as well. I was blessing, um, to be fair. But look, it's, it, there, there is a little bit more. Well, it, it, it's a lot more fluid formation. I think if if you could say to most people listening to this podcast, it, it, you pick a team tomorrow, you pick a formation. I think a lot of them would probably go for the system a four-three-three. It's a very popular system. People like the idea of a deep line playmaker. The role that Alex Moa is currently finding himself in I suppose people like two number eights which is what we're playing I think everyone's got issues with the players who are actually doing it for Albion at the minute but you've got a couple of wide players I think it just looks a more I don't know it's a, it's a system that gives should be more fluid should give you a bit more should be more pleasing on the eye and, and to be honest he's better understood um I've said before like I wouldn't if I if I would if I was a manager tomorrow, I wouldn't play three four three. I don't. I still don't really understand exactly what what you're supposed to get from every single player, well, in particularly the two central midfielders. So, look, I think there has been positives since Steve Bruce has come in. The first thing you have to say about Steve Bruce is he is just a very very warm figure. Um, he's the type of guy. I don't know what it is about him. Um, He's just, but the word is warmth. I can't. I can't think of a better word than warmth. He's just got this way about him, which is very, very friendly, and very, very approachable. He had me when he made two jokes in about five minutes in his first press conference. Yeah, he's very, I very hooked. Relaxed with the media, which is, which is really pleasing to see from sort of my point of view, our point of view, because I think he was absolutely treated atrociously um, while he was manager of Newcastle by the media. I've got to be honest. I, I, 
I don't. I, I don't really know what happened to him at Villa. I, I, I sort of not really paid much attention to, to him just while got, he was there. Just got hit by a cabbage at one point, didn't he? And it yeah, getting a bit toxic, wasn't it? But that was the fans, wasn't it? Rather than the media. But yeah. just in, in terms of the media, I thought he was. I thought he was absolutely atrociously treated um, at Newcastle. I, I'd have been. I wouldn't have blamed him at all if he was scarred from that. Um, but he doesn't seem to be. Um, he's a bubbly character. Um, he's the type of person who puts his arm around you, and I mean, and I, I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean it physically. We, we, the lo- he's done that to you, yeah? Yeah, the lo- yeah, yeah. So the, <laughs> the, the locals sort of. We had um, we had a coffee with him last week, um, which just another nice touch, really. Steve Bruce invited us. It, it was a, it was a press conference, but he invited us all in. Um, just to sort of get to know you, the, the local media. So it was me, Steve Madeley from Athletic, Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail, and Rob Gurney from BBC WM. And he did. He literally, when he greets you, he sort of puts his shakes around. He puts his arm around you, and he's just a very, very friendly guy. He's got, he's, he has got a real sort of nice way about him. Um, you can tell how that he's like that with the players. Um, he said, he said a line something like, "Man management now is just as important as tactics." Um, and I think that's probably the case. And I think he is he is the person who can, who, in terms of sort of the human side of the game, he, he will lift Albion's players. He will make them feel wanted. He will make them feel loved. Um, and I think we're starting, we've started to see that. But I think we saw it for half an hour um, at Sheffield United. I thought Albion were good for that opening half hour at Sheffield United. Um if I'm honest, I don't think they were as good yesterday. I don't think they ever really reached the heights of that opening half hour. They were sharp, weren't they, at Bramall Lane until uh, Livermore got himself sent off? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Jake Livermore's red card was an absolute disaster. The game was gone from that point. And yeah, I thought they looked a little bit sharp, a little bit better at, at Sheffield United. I think yesterday was a tough game, but yeah, it, it's positive. I think Bruce has made an impact. I think that the overriding issue for Albion is, look, we're going to talk on this podcast um, about formations, we're going to talk about what system should be played. Steve Bruce obviously brought it up last night. He doesn't think his 4-3-3 has worked necessarily. And look, I am the absolute like formation nerd. I, I love formations. I, I want to talk about them all day long. But do you know what? At this moment in time, I'm not massively sure it really matters. Um, like I do think Albion need to find the right system. But the issue for me is, our players are so bereft of confidence. Um, and until they find that confidence, until they find that bit of belief, then we're in major trouble. You, you, you can go through our squad, and even players that have had sort of okay seasons, they don't look anywhere near the players they were at the start of the campaign. And... More worryingly, there's sort of players who don't look like anywhere near the type of players they were two years ago. Um, and what I mean by that is, at the very base level, not being overly critical, but if you look in defence, Matt Clark and Connor Townsend, look, they're okay. They're doing okay at the minute. We're not, we're not hammering them. But they're nowhere near the level they were at the start of the season. They're just, they're just not. Um, they're the ones that have dipped a bit, you'd have to say. They've dipped a bit. So, so, same as Darnell Furlong. Darnell Furlong f- flew out of the blocks, really, at the start of the season. Was getting wide, getting crosses in. Long throws were effective. All that's completely gone. Now, they're the ones that, like I said, they're the ones that have, like, dipped a bit. Then you look at the other players, and they're shadows of them for themselves. Alex Mowat, where's he gone? 
I think he's a brilliant player. But I haven't seen it for months. Grady Dean Garner, where's that player gone that ripped up the championship two years ago? He's, it's literally two years ago since we saw it. Callum Robinson, what on earth has happened to Callum Robinson? I mean... That's the name of the podcast. What on earth has happened to Callum Robinson? <laughs> I mean, he's just nowhere near it. He's, he's nowhere near it. Carlin Grant, at least he was scoring goals earlier in the season. The goals have gone. He's nowhere near the player he was. And, and this, is, this, is, this is the issue Albion have got at them, isn't it? Yes, Steve Bruce has to find a system that is going to get the best out of these players. But a footballer with confidence is a, a world away from a footballer who hasn't got confidence. And Albion have got too many players massively underperforming in my eyes at the moment. And I tell you what, you can line them up in a 4-4-2, in a 3-4-1-2, in a 3-5-2, in a 4-2-3-1. If those two players, if those players are going to continue to massively underperform and not get near their potential, Albion are in trouble. Because they're just just not performing how they should. Um... And that's where I'm at with it at the minute. I think it, I think it's a, it's a massive concern. I think we really need to worry. I'm a glass half full Albion fan, and I'm down today. And you're a man who loves formations. He says formations don't matter anymore. Well, just, exactly. It's all, it's all going out the window. Um, you know, that's it. Steve Bruce has seen improvements. Um, I think one man we can say who has done really well in the last two games is uh, is Super Andy Carroll up front. I thought I thought last night he was. He had little to feed on last night, but I thought he was superb last night. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, could, I, could, I agree completely. There's so much to say about Andy Carroll. I'm just going to get the negative bit out of the way. We're on a massive downer. Like, I mean, look, we, I said at the start of the podcast, I'm worried about you. Don't I'm worry about, about me. I'll be fun, mate, about me, we'll be going to Luton. We'll be in the car and I'll be going, right, we're going to win 3-0 today, boys. Yeah, that's what, uh, hopefully. I'll be back Saturday morning. So... We're just going to have to get one negative thing about Andy Carroll, and it, it, there is there is only one negative thing: is he really hasn't got any pace. Um, like he, if you, it, bless him, and I, and I'm a huge, I was a huge, I'm a huge Andy Carroll fan in terms of I think the thirty million Liverpool paid for him was could have been an absolute bargain all those years ago. Andy Carroll, bar injuries, would have been a football phenomenon, and I mean that he would have been at the top of the game. He would have, I think, he would have. Had a huge impact for the England national team. I think he maybe could. I honestly think Andy Carroll has got so much talent. He potentially could have won a trophy for England with with the right team, right players around him. That is how high I rate Andy Carroll. I think he's amazing. The, the issue with him is that he's he has got no pace, as in almost zero. I mean, bless him. When he starts to run, his whole body is running, but he's only going a little bit quicker than when he's walking, and that, and that sounds really, really disrespectful. Um, <laughs> And I don't mean it to sound as disrespectful as, as it sounds. What, I, what, what I'm saying is we have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that he is, he is, he is, he is going to be... He, if, if, you, if Andy Carroll's the, the player holding up the ball and spreading it wide, it's unlikely Andy Carroll's going to get himself in a position in the box to head it in. And you want him in the box to head it in because he is unbelievable in the air. So we need to acknowledge... There is a lack of pace there, um, first and foremost of Andy Carroll, because we have to. Like, I'm saying we're not like about the formations, but we have to find a system to get the best out of him. That is what is absolutely key at this moment in time. 
So that's, that's the downside with Andy Carroll. He, he is slow. The upside is everything else is fantastic. His touch is fantastic, he, he, both in the air and on the floor. He, he, he controls absolutely everything. He brings everything under control. He's so strong, it's ridiculous. Like, centre-backs just bounce off him. Um, and he's an absolute warrior in terms of his commitment. Um, do you know what? When Sam Johnson made a couple of brilliant saves at Sheffield United, when he made the second one, I don't know if it was the first one or the second one, it was, it was Andy Carroll who was first to him, giving him a massive high-five, slapping him on the back, telling him how great he was. And I thought, like, you've only been here five minutes, mate. Like, you, you're brand new to the club. I watch him talking to the players on the pitch. He's constantly telling them where they need to be, where he wants the ball played. There was one moment last night where a ball came into the box. Carroll knocked it down into a dangerous area and there's no one near him, no one near it. Grant had taken up the wrong position and the look Andy Carroll gave him was scathing and he immediately pointed to Grant and told him exactly where he needed to be. He is a real, real leader. Um... And he's absolutely brilliant defensively. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, he won three headers in quick succession in his own box last night. Three headers that I'm not sure any other player would have won. Especially now, Carl Bartley's been sidelined through illness. Like, he's, he's brilliant in both boxes. So I think he's been a huge signing. I really do. I think he's been a real massive addition, both in terms of his ability and in terms of his personality. Um... But we have got to find a way to create chances for him. Because he, if, if, you, if you create chances, he will score goals. If a ball falls to him in the box, with his feet, you'd ex, you'd, you would be confident he could turn it home. And if you can get crosses into the box, in the air, he will win the header. But what we do know is, you can't, you can't slip balls through to him. You can't sort of... He's never going to break the offside trap. So, and we just haven't... In, it, last night against Blackburn, we, I mean, Bruce said it himself, but we didn't get anywhere near enough crosses into the box for him, anywhere near enough. And we didn't get anywhere near enough bodies around him. Um, and I think that's the reason why Bruce said afterwards, we've got to seriously look at whether this 4-3-3 is working, because we are getting a lot out of Carroll, but we're getting a lot out of him because he's a good player and he can do so many things. We're not getting the best out of him. We're, we're not playing to his strengths. Um, and we need to start playing to his strengths because, to be honest, he's our best best hope um, of scoring, I think. And, my God, it feels like a really long time since we actually scored. It, it was four games, isn't it? 361 minutes, but it feels even longer than that. Yeah, that's probably my main takeaway from last night was just... He's a very clever footballer, Carroll, and I think the, the reason West Brom are struggling up front is that, like you say there, the two alongside him are probably three or four steps mentally behind him, if you get what I mean, in terms of he's a clever footballer. That's where he wants to put it. He put a channel ball. that He just flicked one around the corner to Callum Robertson in the first half. Robertson did get there, but if he was sort of that yard quicker upstairs, if that makes sense, sort of... Mm. Technically, I don't know what the phrase is. Technically, I don't know, but he would have run onto the ball, and he probably would have had a better chance of putting a good ball into the box. It's just them things, isn't it? And hopefully, Bruce can glue it together. But yeah, it was frustrating. But yeah, I thought Andy Carroll was exceptional. But my next point that I've written down, 
is probably why I was so dejected last night and driving back I was sort of thinking about it and, and this morning as well you know Albion have always had a creative spark in midfield and I think for the first 10 games of the season this year we had it in Alex Mowat who scored them goals he looked really good he was knitting everything together but I just sat there and looked last night and looked what else we've got that wasn't in the side i.e. Livermore suspended etc and I was just like where's the midfield like there's nothing in the middle of the part and I don't want to say this being disrespectful because I you know we're not professional footballers and these guys are professional footballers but in terms of a side who's going to compete at the top of the championship it's just not the quality's not there is it and I think that's you know I know we joked at the top of the program about me <laughs> me being down and dejected about the performance but that was like the my main gripe I'm just like wow it last night really opened my eyes up that we're just lacking so much in there. Like, Malumbi tries, Mauer, they, they put it in, don't they? You can't, you know, Reach was running around everywhere last night, you can't deny that, but just the lack of quality, you know. It doesn't seem that Mateus Pereira was in there, what, eight months ago? It seems like a, a lifetime ago at the moment. Yeah, it's fr- I mean, it's frightening to think of the fall-off when you think of how well Mateus and Grady and... Callum and everyone was playing at that time and <clears throat> it's just a massive, massive fall. I think that that's why I talked about Moat at the start. I mean, there's a real player there. I've got no doubt about it. I think I think Alex Moat has got the potential to be a real top championship player um, and potentially a Premier League player But and, and he showed that early, early doors and he showed that last season at, at Barnsley but I don't know what it is. Uh, he's just not been, he's just, he, he's just out of form, isn't he? Um, and he's been out of form for a long time. Malumbian reach. I mean, look, the midfield three is just such a massive concern. I mean, look, <clears throat> Jake Livermore has his critics um, for some reason. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, well, he, he's, he's sort of. He's, he, I think every club has a bit of a boo boy, and it feels like Jake Livermore's turning into that boo boy, really, um, for Albion. And I think his red card at Sheffield United was was absolutely. Stupid. I don't. I, I don't think he had to make the challenge at all. But Jake Livermore's Albion's best midfielder, um, and if people can't see that, there's. I mean, you might think that's a. It's a low bar, or you might think that. You, you might not rate him as a player, but and and you can make the, and if you want to make that argument, that's absolutely fine. But he's still our best midfielder. He's still the best one we've got, um, and we miss him when when he doesn't play and. I think actually he had a half decent month really before that red card at Sheffield United, and I think he did okay in the opening half an hour at Sheffield United as well before that dismissal. And I think I personally, I think we missed him last night. Malumbi is full of energy, full of legs, but on the ball he's massively wanting. Um, his passing is poor um, when you consider that he's an international footballer. I felt quite sorry for him last night. You know, he does run around, he does put his foot in, but you could just—it was evident to see, wasn't it? The difference between Blackburn's midfield and Albion's midfield. Blackburn's midfield could string passes together and we just couldn't, could we? Every, every one of those Blackburn players looked comfortable on the ball. Every one of them, their touch was better than ours. Just the way they literally had the ball at their feet, they were much more comfortable in possession of the football. They just they, they just looked happy and composed on the ball. We didn't. Um, we're just not... We haven't got technically good midfielders. I, I really like Adam Reach as a person and, and as a player. Like I think he, he, gives, you his, he gives you his absolute all... Um, and I think 
he's given us something in these games. I mean, he almost scored last night. Last last minute, there's one off the line, and I thought he was I thought he was half decent at Sheffield United. But for me, he's I mean, look, he's given us absolutely everything he possibly can, Adam Reach. He really is. I mean, he's he's a really good lad. But for me, he is best on the left, and he is probably a left wing back. Um, he's not a central midfielder. Um, it's just a, it's just a worrying, worrying, hugely worrying lack of quality in there. Um, if if Mowat got <clears throat> back to his best, and if Jake Livermore was playing and keeping his head, then some of the problems in that area are resolved. I think f- for the remainder of this season. Um, but you just the truth is now everyone listening to this. If you if we if Albion make it in the playoffs, which is a big if. It's not a big if, sorry. I do think I do think we'll do it, you know. Um, I do think you we'll think? turn it. Yeah, no, I do think we'll do it. I think Bruce will turn things around. I think he's a good manager. I think he will lift them. I think what I said at the start is you just cannot compare a team that with confidence and without it. Like, football's a streaky game at the end of the day. Um, and I think, <clears throat> I think somewhere along the line, Albion's quality will come through in terms of and it could be at Luton on Saturday. Like Luton are a well-oiled machine. Everyone probably knows I like Nathan Jones as a manager. Um, but the truth is, they are getting the most. They are getting. He is maximising that squad, Nathan Jones. He to, to have Luton competing for promotion in the Championship. He is having to get every squeeze, every drop out of that squad. The truth is, we're massively underperforming. Um, and I think eventually, we'll our quality will see us through again somewhere down the line and that will hopefully then kick us on and lift them and, and, and lead to us going on the run. You, you have to say that Steve Bruce has had two really, really tough games to start with. Sheffield United were the informed team. They'd won, they'd won six of eight um, before that game um, at Bramall Lane. Massive impact since Jukanovic has been sacked. Paul Heckenbottom, I think, is a shrewd operator. Um that was a real tough game, and once we lost Livermore, it was a goner. Um, then you got Blackburn. Okay, they've they've lost the last two, but the, Blackburn came to the Hawthorns last night, sitting third in the Championship. Um, I mean, it was only a couple of weeks ago they were right on on the necks of Bournemouth um, to be in the top two. So, well, they were in the top two for um, for a week or two, and they've got technically good footballers. I mean, Ben Brereton Diaz, they've probably got the division's outstanding player. Um, so I think Bruce has had a really, really tough start. Bless Luton, because I say this with respect, but there will be a drop in quality, I think. Um, they'll be damn organised and they'll and they'll give up City everything. Uh, and it's going to be a really tough game. But on paper, Albion, if they can just just find some spark somewhere, they should they should have enough. I think, yeah, that's what I think. I, think, I, I do think we'll make it in the end, but... <clears throat> Everyone listening to this now is going to be saying, if we get in the playoffs, have we got a midfield that can genuinely give us a chance of winning those playoffs? And, and yeah, that's, that's the big question, isn't it? The jury's out because we are really struggling in that area. I think from this position as well, with a confidence like it is, I think Bruce, if Bruce gets Albin in the playoffs, I think he's done a very good job. Yeah, but that's a disastrous personally. job overall. Overall, yeah. But, and that's nothing to do with Steve Bruce. No, like, no, no. But Steve I think Bruce from the, I think from, got, but. I think from the current position, from what we've seen lately, and like you said, I hope it is. You know, well, it is. A lot of it is confidence, and hopefully Albion can can rediscover that. And I think when they do rediscover it, we will see a different team. But 
but there we go. That's it for for um, for for last night. Obviously, we'll touch on it. We've got mountains of questions to go through. Um, just going to just touch on some other points, really. One one positive and a couple of other things. Um, like I mentioned at the top of the program, Joe, you did a very good piece last week on uh, on Albion fans getting a bit of a raw deal. The night sh- the night shift raw deal, I think the headline was. Um, basically, that Albion have played. I think if no more games are moved to a midweek game or a Friday night or a Monday night for Sky. Albion have played six games at home on a Saturday at three o'clock um, by the end of the season, which is pretty startling, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I know we've got a couple of questions about it regarding season tickets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but we all know that the you know money comes from TV money, doesn't it, these days? And and that helps the big you know the bigger clubs get more TV money because they're on telly more often. But are Albion getting the rawest of raw deals this season? Joe? Yeah, I suppose there's a balance, isn't there, to be struck almost. Yeah, I think, they're get- <clears throat> I think they're getting the raw risk of raw deals, to be honest. Um, it has to be said, it's absolutely nothing to do with Albion. The broadcasters are king. They put all this money in to the game and they get to choose what games they air. And look, it's, it's a... Yeah, I mean, the amount of Saturday 3 o'clocks are absolutely incredible, aren't they? Um, there's been so few this season. I think... Yeah, I think the like I, don't, I said in my piece, I think the EFL have got to do something about it in terms of like I think there has to be a limit of how many games can possibly be moved for one team. Um, I mean, I've got to be honest. I think Sky have got it wrong. Pick, I, I can't see why they're picking Alpine games at the minute. Yeah, um, mentioned that. I mean, they're they're hardly thrilling, um, and they weren't they weren't thrilling under Ismail. So it is because um, obviously. We're a big club. We were in the Premier League last year. That that's part of the draw. But yeah, I think there's got to be something done about it. I mean, I'm 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 pretty sure the club have sort of. I mean, the club are well aware of this, and they know that they're not happy about it either. Like they don't want so many games to be on Sky. They don't want so many season ticket holders having to miss games. It, it, it's it's going to impact things. There's no doubt about it. And then, but it's not a. It's they can make their feelings known, and I think then it's up to the EFL hopefully to do something when the next. TV deal is is negotiated. I don't know, I don't know how else you move forward. I mean, I think everyone could understand it. Look, if you set a rule to say you can only move five games a season, but when it gets to April, then the broadcasters can do what they want then, because yeah. everyone would understand it then. If like, and everyone wants to watch the big games at the end of the season, but our games have been moved right since day one. When we started on a Friday night, I mean, that was Bournemouth, but, um, so you can sort of understand that one, but so many games have been moved that I think it'd be nice if something was done about it, but to anyone sort of considering not renewing their season ticket, I'd just say, one, the club are well aware of it, two, football's always better when you're there than on the TV, and three I, don't, I honestly don't think Alvin will be as big a draw in the championship next season anyway I, I yeah. don't think there'll be as many games moved but I mean if it, that is obviously if they don't go up to the Premier League yeah it's difficult isn't it just um, just want to inject a couple of positive points to this I've just been scrolling through our questions because we keep getting them in while we're sort of recording and I've just stumbled across a video that someone sent me last night of a guy absolutely burying one in the top corner at half time. Some competition in front of the Smedic end. And he's absolutely rocketed it, in the t- rocketed it in the top corner. I've just watched his celebration. He's basically run behind the goal and almost goaded the Blackburn fans. 
It's absolutely <laughs> super. It's the best finish we saw all evening. The best strike. Um, I just want to give a shout out to that guy. If you ever want to get in touch, give us a give us a shout. Let us know who you are because it was a hell of a goal and a hell of a celebration. Um, and just on another another positive point, Joe. Obviously, away from what's going on at the moment, we had the great news last week that. Um, James Morrison and Chris Brunt are going to get a testimonial against each other um, later in the year. I think that's one that all, all fans are looking forward to. I'm sure sort of COVID played an impact on on them getting a testimonial. I think they've been retired, both been retired a while now, but that's going to be a fantastic uh, occasion, isn't it, later in the year? I think it's in September, if I believe, if I'm, I'm right in thinking, but all looking forward to that one. Yeah, first at the national break next season, I think it is. And yeah, this has been in the pipeline for a long, long time. Um, it's bizarre, like I've spoke to people about it before and they said, you know what, it's really hard to arrange a testimonial um, because in terms of like the safety measures and stuff and what you need, you basically need to have the same sort of staff and emergency services and all this, that and the other that you would get for a normal game, Yeah. Um, which is surprisingly tricky um, to organise when... It isn't an actual game, if you know what I mean, when it isn't a competitive uh, league game. So, yeah, COVID obviously played an impact as well. It has been a very long time in coming, but that's going to be a great day out, isn't it? There's no doubt about it. Everyone's going to love that game. It's going to be a right laugh. It's going to be interesting to see who gets the stronger side or who, which play, because I suppose they played in the same era, didn't they? So, who's going to be, uh, who's going to get two invitations and pick one player? But it's going to be, it's going to be a fantastic occasion. Um, and we're really, really looking forward to that one. They should just get like thirty players and pick like in the schoolyard. Yeah, before That'd the be game, wouldn't it? Everyone before on the, the game. Yeah, Morrison and Brunt next to each other. They're literally just picking them. Imagine being the last one in front of like twenty-five thousand. I know. Yeah, it'd be hilarious. Be wouldn't it? It'd be awful. It'd be awful. <laughs> I'd hate that. I just Andy walk Johnson, off. mate. I just walk off down the top. Ooh, shots <laughs> fired. I don't. Shots fired. I don't think you played with either one of them, but you no, could no, get around right in a testimonial. Just get him in to be last pick. Oh, it's getting, it's getting nasty this now, isn't it? He wasn't there last night, was he? I know, yeah. Running scared. Running scared. Running away. Um, Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the black country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell Children's Trust, and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support, and are looking to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community, irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey, or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place. Or, alternatively, you can call 01902 553818. Being an adoptive parent can be challenging, but it also brings great rewards. If you're interested in finding out more, please contact Adoption at Heart today by visiting adoptionatheart.org.uk. There we go. So that's uh, everything on on last night's game and, uh, and I look forward to what's going to come in the future. Right, now for, for questions. We've had a mountain of questions today. A lot we've probably covered already, but we'll try and get through as many as possible. Um, Dean JWBA, uh, thanks for your question, Dean. Hi, Joe and Johnny. Would you try Gra- Grant alongside Carroll to try and get some support around Carroll as he tends to win everything that's played up to him, but he always looks so isolated? I think we've touched on this, Joe. Uh, potentially, just adding to that, do you think we might see a front two on, on Saturday and maybe someone a little bit closer to Carroll? Yeah, yeah, I think we absolutely have to. Um, I think we have to get... I mean, Bruce said it last night, we've got to get bodies near him. 
I think the only way to do that is um, is to play a front two. I was before last night. I was absolutely adamant the way to go with this team was four two three one or um, three four one two. I thought we needed someone in in. I thought we needed someone closer to, to Carroll, which in my view should have been a number ten, um, because of four a they'd physically be closer to Carroll and b they could pick up the ball in sort of those in that sort of in that number ten role if you like and sort of spread it wide to the wide players who could then um, get crosses into the box for Andy Carroll. After last night, I've changed my mind. Um, if I'm honest. Um, one, because I don't know who can play in the number 10 role anymore. I'm really, uh, like, if you asked me yesterday, I would have put Kyler Robinson there, but I'm so, I'm massively concerned by his performance levels, if I'm honest. I, 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 I don't see what he's done to warrant such an integral part in the team. Um, and I'm also concerned about our forward, our wide forwards, in terms of, like, I think they're, I think they're inside forwards. I, I, don't, I don't know if I really trust Carlin Grant to get crosses in the box for Andy Carroll. Uh, I just don't think he's that type of player. I think he's gonna, when he gets on the ball, we sort of know what he's gonna do. If he if he picks it sort of, picks it up semi wide left, he's gonna try and cut inside and get a shot away. So that was what I thought last night. I've changed my mind on that now. Um, I mean, I was probably gonna get into formation questions, but I'll just answer it now. For me, I'll probably go three five two. I'm not, I'm not against going. I'm not against trying what I just said, three four one two or or four two three one, whatever. I give it. I'm more than happy to see. Like we're gonna have to just see what happens, aren't we? We're gonna like we're gonna have to see it in practice. What's gonna work for this team? <clears throat> I mean, that's the stage we're at now. I think that's the stage Steve Bruce is at as well. I mean, he needs games to find out how he's gonna get the best out of these players. Um, but for me, at this moment in time, I think we need to get the ball wide. Desperately, we need to get the ball wide to play to people who are going to send in crosses. Grady Dingana could potentially do that, but for me, he's just not delivering. Um, so I think our best bet is to get it to Connor Townsend on the left, who I think is the best crosser of the ball at the club, and either Darnell Furlong or Taylor Garden Hickman at right wing back. Um, and then you pack the midfield, get the ball wide to those two players, and get crosses into the box for Andy Carroll in the hope that. Either A, you can score from them, or B, get them knocked down and have Carlin Grant close to him and one of the three midfielders running into the box to try and latch onto it. That would be my way of going, but there's there's options. I'm just not. I'm just genuinely, as we sit here now, I'm, I'm, we're, I think we're all so deflated that we we don't know which is the right one. Yeah. Um, I have a season ticket. But I've not been. Sorry, Alan for Newport, um, Sal. Uh, he seems to get in touch quite a lot, Alan. So thank you very much for your questions. Um, I have a season ticket, not be able to use it for weeks, and I've no expectation of be able to do it for several more games this season. What incentive is there for me to renew next season? I've used it more at the the Bucks head with the under twenty threes in the first team. I've had quite a lot of tweets like this recently about fans going, you know what, I'm just going to go watch the under twenty threes because you know when they're playing, you know what time they're on. Um, there are incentives, aren't there, Joe? But they're like we said, they're probably just repeating what we've been saying. Just, just need less games to be moved, really, and something to be done. Yeah, yeah, I think we covered that in the, in the bit before, didn't we? I mean, it's just we just need less games to be moved. I mean, there's so many games. I feel sorry for people who aren't like, who aren't local. 
So Alan, who's asked the question, I mean, he, he lives in Newport in Shropshire, which is a fair track, like to the Hawthorns. It's it's, it's not um, it's not like a, that, that's a that's a fair journey, but it's not. I know people who live like miles and miles away, like oh, yeah. like they make massive efforts, like to to get to every own game, and they just can't do it. Um, <clears throat> just can't do it in the week. I think Alan might have made the point, or someone else made the point on Twitter. Also, like if you've got kids, young kids, like yeah. like that's just. You can't if you go into Friday night games. It's just, it's not. It's, it's difficult really because they'll be going down to bed and stuff. It's just there is that. The, everyone understands broadcasters are king. Everyone understands the amount of money that broadcasters put in that they sort of deserve to call the shots. I think no one's got a problem with that really, um, but I think they're taking it. They're, I mean, they're taking the Michael really, aren't they? Like they they. They've gone too far with Albion this season. I think everyone can see that, and I think that's what needs reeling in um, for next year, making clear next year that they've got to start thinking about supporters. The interesting thing with the broadcasters is it's rubbish watching games on TV that haven't got a crowd. So yeah. they're going to have to be careful because people catch start staying away. Situation. Yeah, it is catch twenty two. People start yeah. staying away, and they're not going to have the product they're paying absolutely billions of pounds for. Yeah, just on the same point, Paul Chappell's got in touch with the question. Will clubs start to feel pressurised to offer alternative tickets rather than season tickets? Maybe like a membership scheme that offers discounts to allow for sky changes and fixture movement? At the moment, many fans buying a season ticket next year won't, you know, probably won't renew. Sorry, fans who've got season tickets won't renew next year because of that. Could that be... That's quite... I've never thought about that before. That's quite an alternative, you know. You buy, but then I suppose it's difficult to sell a ticket like that because you don't know what games are going to be moved for Sky. I suppose. Um, either way, I, I I I think it will hit Albion next year in terms of season ticket numbers. I don't know what you think. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what actually happens because we did. A, I mean, in that story I wrote last week, we did a poll on it, and something like seventy-five percent of people said they would. They're now considering not renewing. Like, I mean, it wasn't the biggest poll to be honest. I think. I mean, it was. I think it was less than a thousand people that took part. Um, so it's not the be all and end all that poll, but I think, but I think that the the big word in that poll was consider it. My my issue, not my issue, sorry, but like I think when people actually come down to it, when when it comes to the when it comes to the day when they have to renew their season ticket to get that early bird discount, I still think the vast majority of people will do it personally. Um, I think. I think people are so connected to their season ticket that they they'll, they'll, they won't be able to stop themselves. But but I could but I could Addic- be wrong. Addiction. Yeah, I mean it isn't. <laughs> I, it, I think it's going to be fascinating to see um, how many how many people do actually renew. Um, I think Val going probably helps because um, I think a lot of people really had enough of that sort of ideology if you like that style of play um but i get it there is a real issue um but i think with i still think we're basing it, a lot of it on like conjecture really i think it, when we know the numbers the that's when we can really talk with some like authority on it yeah yeah just moving away from that conversation uh joe beddo thanks for your question joe do you think that finishing the playoffs is a success considering where we are in the league table right now joe i asked you this question in an earlier podcast i would like to know if your answer has changed because mine has i remember you were very adamant that it wouldn't be a success 
Yeah, tragically, yes. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree. Like, it's, I mean, yeah, it's dreadful. It's absolutely dreadful. I was speaking to Rich Sharp, um, who's the Blackburn reporter last night, um, before the game, <laughs> and he just he just looked at me and went, "This league is dreadful." And I was like, "Mate, I say it every single week." Like, I mean, the the drop off. Um, from two years ago is just so staggering. Um, it's just a dreadful league. Um, so to not to finish outside the top six is really really poor. But it's got to the stage now where yes, it's going to be an achievement. Not yeah, like the aim. The aim is to finish in the top six. The aim is now to finish from third to six. I think because there's no way we're going to finish second. Um, we're not gonna. I mean, there's absolutely no way we're gonna finish first. Um, yeah. So now it's all about finishing the top six. Like I mean, I said this. I've said this to a few people last night. What? Do you know, I co- We cover West Brom for a living. Like we, we literally, all we do is West Brom, really. Like, and every time I look at the table, it surprises me. Like every time I look at it, I can be surprised by it. I can't believe it. I can't. I can't believe that. Nottingham Forest are ahead of us by a point when Steve Cooper got that team and they were bottom of the league. I just look at it and I think, is that right? Like, Nottingham Forest, who were rock bottom, are now above us on points. Middlesbrough, who sacked, who like, were like 17th or something, 16th when they sat near Warnock, are now above us on points and with a game in hand. Huddersfield, who are dreadful, are fifth. QPR, who just annoy me, a fourth. I thought I was going to go off on a rant today, but oh, Maxi's classic there, rant, he's lost his head. Blackburn have only got one like like one goal scorer. They've got Ben Brian Diaz, who's got 20 goals. And after that, they've got Sam Gallagher, who's got six. They're third. Like, if you stop Ben Brian Diaz from scoring, basically Blackburn don't win games of football. They're third. Like, the league is atrocious. It's atrocious. We're, You're right, mate. You're right. I just know I'm not. We're honestly, <laughs> to get this right, it's another surprising thing. And I'm kind of repeating myself earlier. I've got a lot of. Everyone knows I think Nathan Jones is a brilliant manager at Luton. Really like, really think he's top. I do, I've got it written down. They are one point behind us with a game in hand. Mm. West Bromwich Albion, right, who were in the Premier League last season, after 31 games, have only got one more point than Luton. A club who you literally have to walk through somebody's back garden to get in their away end. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You, their whole, one of their whole stands is a conservatory. And potentially, if they win the game in hand, if they win on Saturday, they're above us in the table. Like, and I know that sounds very disrespectful to Luton, but we should not be in their league. We should not be in their league. Like, we're a way bigger club than Luton. They've got a brilliant manager, but... We are a way bigger club than Luton. We're in the Premier listen. League, for God's sake, last year. Like, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm so right. angry. I if, any, if, if anyone listening to this lives in Telford, just go and check if Joe Massey's This podcast right. has not been good for me, mate. <laughs> Um, if you have a question, not really a question to answer this, I'll be news and opinions. Are we ever going to score a goal? I bloody well hope so. And just mentioning that, before I come on, before literally about a minute before we started, I saw someone had tagged Skybet in or Sky request a bet 
in a tweet saying, can I get odds on West Brom not scoring another goal this season? Which I thought was quite funny. Um, that was hilarious. But we will score. Um, are you surprised, sorry, all Albion fans, are you surprised at a lack of game time Gardner Hickman's getting at the moment, considering you know he's done well when he played when he's played this season? Slightly surprised, but not overly surprised, just because when I talk to people, they're just not as enthused about him as we are. I think there's an issue with Taylor Gunner-Hitman that no one seems to really see him as a central midfielder. I, don't, I just don't... I know he came on last night um, in that area, but I've asked Steve Bruce about him last week at the presser and he he basically completely dodged the question um, to such an extent where I couldn't even write a story on it. Like, it was... It just didn't really work. And I think, I think there's a general feeling like that people sort of coaches feel like he needs the game in front of him rather than sort of all around him as he would in central midfield. So I think I think the issue with Taylor Gardner-Hickman is those coaches in the game, people people look, who at the end of the day, like, do know football, do know more about football than me and you. Uh, um, they see him as sort of a right-sided player. Um, a right, a wing-back or a right-forward um, and I think that is where his future is going to be. I think that was okay under Ishmael because he would play wing back. I don't think he's a full back, um, which obviously has sort of ruled him out of starting these last two games under Steve Bruce. If we go to a back three, could, could he come back in a right wing back? Yeah, I think he could. Could he start on the right, right wing? I think potentially. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just he's done so well, and the fans are so excited by him. But it just it just, it just seems, it doesn't seem that managers trust him as much as as we do. Really, I think if, if, it's probably an age thing. Like it's just probably an age thing. Um, but it's a shame because he has played well when he when he's come in. But I, I mean, look, it's harsh because they didn't pull up any trees in the ten minutes he was. He was on last night, um, but look, it was only 10 minutes, wasn't it? But, yeah. yeah. Uh, just a few more questions. Richard Downing, um, cheers for your question, Richard. Would you be prepared for another year in the Championship if the club could have a complete rebuild from top to bottom? We are just not ready for the Premier League. We would be the whipping boys. It's an interesting question, but I suppose it all boils down to if you don't go up this season, the Championship will inevitably, well, it can't be any weaker. It'll inevitably be stronger next year, and we all know the, the finances that the Premier League brings. But I suppose it is a it is an interesting topic, isn't it, Joe? Because do you keep going round in that circle of going up, come back down again, going up? You know, would it be beneficial to have a bit of a reset? I don't, I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that. I don't know what you think. Um, no, I don't, I don't think it would be. I don't think it'd be beneficial at all. Like I think, like you got. I hate saying football's a business because it isn't. Like it means so much more than any other business. Um, but but for let's be honest, for the people who own the club, for the people at the top of the club, they have to run it like a business. So because it is a business at the end of the day, it employs a hell of a lot of people. It's about making money. That is that is what it is. It's not. It's the heart of the community. It's what we basically all live and breathe for. We're all obsessed with the game. We're all obsessed with the club. But. Albion, it is a business. The, the, unfortunately, the absolute bottom line is it is a business. 
Now, if you said to any other business owner, say an ice cream man, do you want a shot at £100 million this year and a shot at £100 million next year? Or do you just want to go away, experiment with your ice cream flavours and have a shot at it next year? You just never would ever in a million years take that option, would you? Like, you, if you've got a shot at basically untold riches, you are not going to just pass that opportunity by. Um, because, I mean, if anyone, I mean, I'm no businessman, but anyone who knows anything about business knows it's about making money, and that's just not... It's just not gonna not gonna be an option. So look, if we went up, I mean, if we go up this year, look, I mean, God knows, like, it's, you fear for us. I mean, you really do. I mean, it it's, it feels like it's gonna be frightening um, if we go up. But you go up, you get an absolutely shed load of money. And the big thing is, and this is the big thing, if you use that money wisely, then you've got a chance to rebuild and and structure things right so you come back stronger so it feels like i've been missed the opportunity a little bit this time around if, i mean the recruitment has just been dreadful if, that, when they went out to the premier league they got it wrong on too many players really or spent too much money on too many players it hasn't worked out the only thing is going up that season on the village was massive because of covid and the financial implications that's come of it i mean there's, there's absolutely no way albion would have had Daryl DK now, if they hadn't gone up under Slavon Village, they were just the money to fund that transfer just would not have been there. Um, so, like you could that's 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 and that's the prime example of what we're talking about. You could say that, that question is exactly the same as saying, would it have been better to not go up under Slavon Village and have another year? But you wouldn't have Daryl DK now, for example, and. What is the big thing is there's absolutely no guarantees you go up next year. Yeah, that's the issue. Gamble. Like, like you, people, it feels like when people ask that question, they're assuming Albion win promotion that year. But what I do think in that question as well, just to play devil's advocate, there do need to be thing. There does see. There's another question which I'm not going to get round to because it's so long, but about the vision of the club and the structure and. You know, and I mentioned it. After, I don't know if I said it to you or said it to Joe Chapman last night. You know, people look back. I was thinking about it the other day, just because you know Dan Ashworth has gone to Newcastle. Back in that day, where Albion had a structure, they had a good recruitment policy of when you know they just seem to get gems in all the time. Whereas now, we sign players. Obviously, the, the amount of money you pay for a player has gone up, but it's just it's not paying off. So I, I think what fans are saying is maybe just a little bit unbalanced. Yes, you do need to go up because of the riches of the Premier League and, you know, it is a business at the end of the day. But I think it's them other things behind the scenes, I think, that probably need to... I don't know if you catch my drift. That things no, I need... do, but the, but the point is, and that's it, you're making the exact right point, but... But you can't afford to just go, right, let's get a blank piece of paper. If we don't go up this season, it doesn't matter. You can't afford to do that in the, in, in the Championship these days if you're a big fish in the Championship like West Brom are. You just have to find a way to do both, almost. The things you want, the direction, the leadership, the scouting policy, the looking or scouring Europe for footballers, all those things you're calling for, that vision, that long-term plan, all that is a lot easier if you've got the Premier League money. Yeah. And the only way to get that Premier League money this year is to 
win nine of our remaining 15 games or eight of whatever our remaining 15 games and hopefully get in the playoffs and then win that. Money makes the world go round. Money, like if you want another, I mean, let's be honest, look, Albin was so lucky with Dashworth. I mean, I mean, he is the golden boy, isn't he, of technical directors. I mean, look at what he's done at Albion, look at what he's done at England, look at what he's done at Brighton. Now, the Saudis are breaking the banks, take him to Newcastle. I mean, he, he, I mean, he is phenomenal. Finding someone like him, is, I mean, he's, he hasn't ever been replaced, if we're being honest, but no. if you're going to find someone like that, it's a lot easier to do it when you're in a position of strength. And if you're in the Premier League, A, you're an attractive proposition, or B, if you're in the Championship, but with parachute payments, you're, you're an attractive proposition because you because you're cash rich, really, um, and you can spend seven million pounds on Daryl DK. There's very few. There's no one else spending that sort of money that haven't got parachute payments. Bournemouth and Fulham are the only teams that have really spent big um, this year. I can't think of many players that have moved from the seven million that Daryl DK moved for, and those that fees are possible because of parachute payments. It's simple as that. And we've only got one year left of them now. After this year, if we don't go up this year, next year is our last season with parachute payments. Um, and when once they're gone, you, 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 you're quickly in danger of slipping into being a very, very run-of-the-mill championship club, which to me is Albion should never be. Yeah, isn't it? It is an interesting debate. And cheers for your cheers for your question. One final one, just linked to something you were saying there about eight nine wins. Um, Scott Lowe, seventy two seventy five point mark is the average for the playoffs. To get there, we need ten wins from fifteen. What chance do you think we have of that? Personally, I think it's going to be a stretch. But what do you think, Joe? So we ten wins from fifteen. That's good. I didn't know that the average was seventy five. That's that's um. I appreciate that stat to be honest that helps me um, yeah like I think I think it's definitely 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 possible and I think the re- and um and the, and I think it's possible because of Steve Bruce basically for no other reason I've got to be honest when Bruce got the job I wasn't overly enthused um, I thought it was a bit of a predictable appointment I think it wasn't I didn't think it was the most imaginative appointment um, 61 years old obviously I don't think it's the the most um, like future looking, for want of a better expression, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, Long term plan, blah blah blah. Days, and there was a lot of that behind behind his appointment. But um, it all comes down to his personality, basically, um, which is he is incredibly warm. I do believe he'll lift these players. He is lift. I do believe he's lifted them. To be honest, I think the the issue is <clears throat> they need they need to they need to. They need to get a goal here or there. They need to somehow drag themselves over the line. We just to need a, a goal. Just need a goal and to get a win. And, and I think the, the confidence will start flowing. So I think for a team who is struggling with confidence and players that are struggling with confidence, I can't think of anyone better to work for than Steve Bruce. I think I think he really will be almost like he's almost like a fatherly type figure. Yeah. Um, keep using the same word, but he is he is just very warm. Um, so. And the fact that the truth is, he's won four promotions from this league before. He's won more promo- promotions. He's won promotion from this division more than any anyone else. Um, so, I do think he is a very, very, very safe pair of hands. I do think we've got good players who are massively underperforming. So, we, but I do think they are good players. Um, so, can we do it? Yeah, we can do it. Hope. 
Um, but but coming back to that question, I think it was from someone called Joe. It, it's become an achievement now, isn't it? Um, it will be an achievement if Albion finish in the top six. Um, which I'm sorry, just depresses me. I can't get over it, mate. I just can't get over it. How man. the tables have turned in the last uh, hour. How the tables. <laughs> Um, I'm quite positive now. Yeah, I'm glad you are. Probably uh, just because I've listened to you rant and give us an analogy about ice cream. Um, yeah, but they can do it. They can do it because Steve Bruce will hope. I think he's tactically astute for the level. I think he'll find a way to get bodies around Carroll. I think he'll find a way to create more chances for Carroll. And and this is this is a bit unfair on the lad, but everything's been unfair with the lad. With four or five games to go, we might have Daryl DK back. Um, and I think... I see, I see a lot of people out there... I, I'm, now I'm going on that. But a lot of people... A few people have messaged saying, oh, why, like, what, do you, how do you feel about 4-4-2? Um, playing, using this team to play 4-4-2. And what I do think is, we, we absolutely... If DK is fit, and it's a big if, because he's got an injury and he's going to have to get match fit and stuff, I think we have to play DK and Carroll up front together. I think Imagine playing to. against that front two. Imagine playing against that front two. I mean, together, those two, you look, you're going, right, okay, well, that puts the fear of God into you. That makes you feel like these are as good as anyone in the division. That is frightening. I'm a bit against 4-4-2 because, A, I don't think we've got proper wingers. Well, but hopefully Matt Phillips... May, it, it has to be Grady on the left and Matt Phillips on the right if we're going to play 4-4-2. has to be. Um... Personally, and it's just a personal thing, I'm absolutely sick of two midfielders in the middle of the park. Um, I think they get overrun. I, I, I'm not, I, whatever two midfielders we pick, and if, we're, if, we're, if players are playing well and they've got a bit of belief back, our best two are Livermore and Mowat. I still think if you put three decent ones up against them, they'll get picked off pretty, pretty easily. Um, but that's why I'm a bit against 4-4-2. Um, but... That said, it could work. It could work. With Phillips flying down one side, with Carlin flying down the other. So, sorry, with Phillips Grady flying down the other and potentially with DK and Carroll up front or Carroll and Grant, I think it's got a chance, but I'd go 3 5 two, and then hopefully in 10 games time or whatever, Daryl DK comes in, fits in seamlessly and then we go on the sort of a run just at the right time as we go into the playoffs but long way to go Joe's got it all mapped out there hasn't he wow. he's got it all mapped out there you go there you go just moving on to just briefly Luton um, Luton trip on the, on Saturday as you said they're 10th the win will take them above Albion so that'll be a disaster really but tough place to go Joe but we've just got to go into these games now just even if we aren't confident, you know you've got to be, you've got to be targeting wins from all these games now, haven't you? You, you should, should we should have been anyway, but I suppose just devoid of confidence in the stands and in the, on the pitch. But it's going to be a tough ask, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it is. It's going to it's going to it's going to be it's going to be a tough ask. They're, they're a really good size, horrible place to go, Kenilworth Road. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's it's it's, it's the worst ground in the in the league um, by a stretch, really. I mean, they obviously they're, they're eager to move and plans for a new ground and all this and the other but yeah they're they're going to be direct Luton um, they're going to try and 
play for set pieces, they're going to be strong in the air. But look, this is a, this is this is the type of game where, like, I've watched Luton a lot, and I've, in terms of like when I covered Warsaw, watched them go through League Two, League One. I was so impressed with Nathan Jones's tactical te- tactical flexibility and blah 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 blah. But you look on paper, um, and the names on that team sheet shouldn't cause us any problems. Like with a great like. Sonny Bradley at centre-back is having a good season for them, but it's Sonny Bradley at the end of the day. Like, James Bree and Amari Bell at wing-back. James Bree, yeah, he's decent, but really? Amari Bell didn't cut it at Blackburn. Did well for Fleetwood, but couldn't do it at Blackburn. Elijah Adebayo, decent player up front, but... I mean, he's done well for Luton, but he wasn't, he wasn't like... When he was playing for Walsall, like, a year ago, he wasn't, like... The standout player in in League Two, he wasn't he wasn't you weren't looking at him and going, wow, you're destined for much bigger things. Um, I mean, he's had a good season for for Luton. Don't get me wrong. Harry Cornick, technically very good, good player, but the I mean, these really are players that are that there's everything's being squeezed out of them. Um, it really is so. I mean, I mean, God knows what those players are earning a week compared to what Albion's players are earning. I mean, it's going to be absolutely chalk and cheese. It really is. Um, the name, there's, there's no names on their team sheet to fill you with fear, whereas Albion should have. Albion, Albion's players should should be putting the fear of God into the opposition. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Sounds ridiculous because... One team is massively underperforming and one team is well-drilled and knows exactly what they're doing and is stable, but I think Albion should win the game. I don't think there's any excuse not to win the game. I really don't. They've got to start turning things around. Final point I'll say on that is because I'm rambling on, but I do think Luton is a slight drop in quality to Sheffield United and Blackburn. Um, and I think Albion were a touch... They definitely deserved to draw last night against Blackburn. Um, and they could have won it late on with the Adam Reach chance. I think they were decent for our hour against Sheffield United before Livermore basically made the game impossible for them. So it's not been it's not been dreadful under Steve Bruce by any means. There has, I think I asked him last night, was that result and performance a step in the right direction? And he actually said it was a small step in the right direction. Um and I agree with that. I think we have made a small step in the right direction since he came in. That's going to be the name of the podcast. I've been thinking of one for about an hour. A small step in the right direction. Right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. it. There we go. It's better than what's what's happened to Callum Robinson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or what's happened to the midfield. Uh, there we go. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode, guys. Just going to finish it off by giving you a bit of a laugh, really. Uh, well, it'll probably make a couple of you chuckle. As we know, well, as Joe knows, and a few people on Twitter know, since I took this job at Express and Star, my win ratio, not just with Albion, but covering all our clubs, has been absolutely dreadful. Since I f- officially started the job, it is now one win in 17 games. So I'd like to apologise to all you West Bromwich Albion fans for bringing such a curse. I did take that curse to Molyneux the other day, and Wolves did lose, <laughs> which I know will, um, I know will. Well, it didn't go down quite well when I had to present the Wolves podcast the next day as well. Although I didn't get any stick on Twitter from Wolves fans, which was good, but I'm sure Albion fans will enjoy that. But 
I'm even clutching at straws now, as Joe will say, will um, testify, even last night. Before I actually officially start the job, I covered two games, shadowing. Albion won both of them games, so I'm going to try and now insert them wins into my record just to make it look a little bit better, but it is awful. So I do apologise if any of it's down to my awfully bad luck. I got Kidderminster dumped out of the cup the other week. Um, <laughs> they did play West Ham. They did play West Ham, yeah, but so... But yeah, it hasn't been great. But hopefully, it will. T- I, I am confident it will turn. And what I will say, since I officially started the job, I've had more congestion charge fines. Well, the same amount of congestion charge fines in London covering games than I have. Albion have had wins as well, one all. Um, so hopefully that finishes on a on a bit of a bit of a lighter note. But um, it hasn't been great. But hopefully it will turn. We say we feels like we've said it every week so far, but. We hope it will. Things, as we said, small steps in the right direction. Hopefully, we can take a big stride at Kenilworth Road. So there you go. It's getting better. It needs to improve a little bit more. But hopefully, Albie can get back on the back on the horse, back on the winning run against Luton on Saturday. So thank you very much for listening. Thanks for your kind words. Um, thanks for your, all your questions as well. Have a great rest of your week. Have a great trip down to Luton if you are making the trip. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Joe. Is it goodbye? I don't think we can let that record pass. One win in 17, you've seen. One win in 17. I thought it was a really good ending to the podcast, and I'd written it all down, and you've just ruined it. It doesn't matter where you go, right? Shrewsbury, Wolves, Albion, whoever you cover, they lose, which is incredible. Incredible They do draw as well. They do draw as well. And you know what, right? So you have got this absolutely abysmal record, which you've taken to all clubs, not just Albion. We have to stress that. You've taken it to all clubs. Your, your record is matched by your predecessor, Luke Hatfield, in terms of Albion, um, who is all, obviously has been in his job as long as you've been in your job. Both horrendous records. And what people probably don't know is, about a fortnight ago, Luke Hatfield was playing basketball. His team was about 30 points up, yet... He was trying too hard. He fell and he's busted his ankle to such an extent that he's having to wear in one of those... They're not casts, are they? What are they? Like braces? That's right, isn't it? Yeah, foot brace. Are you gone? Have you gone? Are you fed up? No, with I you? haven't gone. Oh, I'm still here. Um, <laughs> and obviously now the boys are walking billboard for West Bromwich Albion. He just literally wears the track suit from head to toe. And he's walking around with a pot on his foot. And he said the other day he got out of car, and obviously he looked like an absolute footballer because he's dressed head to toe in West Bromwich Albion, he's on crutches, and he's got a brace on his foot. And then people were looking at him like, well, that's a massive disappointment when they realised it was only Luke Hatfield. So for some reason, you coming in here and now and Luke going to the Hawthorns has changed. Something's wrong with like the equilibrium of the world. Everything has gone wrong since. Everything's out uh, of kilter. But, um, but yeah, a Luton... That's where it's getting back on track for both of getting you. Getting back on track. Now we've if acknowledged gets... it. Now we've acknowledged that we we know that you're both jinxes. Yeah. We can hopefully move forward and Luke's ankle can heal and you can be sent to a football match in the West Midlands where the West Midlands side will win the game. Hopefully, mate. And Cheers on that for... note, we will say Cheers goodbye. for hammering, hammering the pair of us on the, at the end of this podcast. Sorry, mate. That's what I do. <laughs> there we go. Hopefully, the luck changes might pray on friday night before we go to a or something not yeah. religious but i might might have a little prayer but there we go thank you very much for listening keep listed keep getting our views up because joe does, doesn't want to buy andy johnson brunch at the end of the season um and as you said have a great week safe trip down to luton um goodbye from me goodbye from joe goodbye